You are worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. As always, it's an honor to be here and be in this pulpit. And I thank appreciate my pastor for allowing me these opportunities, for trusting me with these opportunities. I'm always thankful for my wife who is my support and my backup. And my, uh, she said I was preaching to her all week. That's how I tested out. See if this is going to fly or not. I'm thankful for her honesty and uh, everything she does in my life. I'm blessed, church. I'm blessed with this family, this church family. Uh, There's so much joy that I experience when I come together with you and to see your faces. And we come together and we praise God. What a wonderful spirit already here in the house this morning. Amen. Hey, that's even with the pastors not here. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. We still got to let them know that we miss him. We don't want to think that, that we're doing okay without him that much. You know, we we want to encourage him. And if he could send out some word to him, he's ministering this week. At weekend, he was ministering at the Singles Conference and preaching in Virginia Beach today. We just want to lift him up, encourage, ask God to just lead him as he preaches this morning as well. As we, before we dive into this this morning, this particular statement caught my attention sometime in this week and it says into the hands of every individual is given a marvelous power for good or evil the silent unconscious unseen influence of his life this is simply the constant radiation of what man really is not what he pretends to be will george jordan It resonated with me in the mentality and the thought that character counts. Our character will impact our world. It will impact our circle of influence. It will impact those that we are engaged with. Our character counts. And when we allow God to work his character inside of our lives, that's when we will make the most impact. That's when we will resonate so fiercely in the world. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And this is verse 3 through 12. States, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is a kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The amplified version states it as this. Those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those that mourn can entail those that mourn over their sins. They are repentant. Those that mourn are also empathetic to others' needs. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, as the Amplified Version states. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Those who actively seek right standing with God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amplified version states it is this, those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, the spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. 
for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Here we have Jesus defines the character of the Christian individual. We should be merciful. We should be empathetic. We should be full of joy. We should be chasing after his righteousness. We should be striving for these things. But many times we don't, and we don't because we think this is impossible. In our minds, it is too far reaching for us as individuals, and and many times we're right. For Brother Mike to be able to reach these things, I can't do it on my own. It's going to be God that leads me into that place. It's going to be his spirit that empowers the change in my life. I cannot do it on my own. But it's so hard to see the impossible because I'm looking through my own eyes. My vision becomes skewed. My my glasses become, where's Zachary at? Zachary, let me see your glasses real quick. Oh, yeah, they're filthy. Perfect. I could put these glasses on. I, I mean, they are filthy. I don't know what he's seeing. Good, it's nothing. He's not seeing anything. But we put these glasses on, and we have them on here, and, and we're, they're, just, they're dirty, and we can't see what God really wants us to see because they are just so, oh, my Lord. This is bad parenting skills is what this is. I, I apologize. I have let my son down. But we put these. Could you? Thank you, Sister Yuri. Let me know when they're done. We have these glasses on, and they're so filthy, and they're so dirty. Why? Because in our mind, there's so many things that we come out of. See, our vision and our view is typically from our environment that we grew up in how I came up, the things that were taught to me, the things that I saw modeled in my life, they become a part of my character. And as I look at the world, I see the world through the character and my human character, and I can see things that are skewed. But when really maybe they're not as skewed as I'm looking at them. Maybe my glasses are a little dirty. Maybe they're full of specks of things that, that block my vision and, and, I, and I see something playing out that quite, isn't quite what it really is. There's one story of a naval officer. And I thought this was, it was an interesting story. His name was Frank Cock, and he was talking about this story. And he said it, he was a captain. And there were two, the battleships assigned to a training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. He was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge, keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing of the bridge reported light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it steady or moving astern, the captain called out. The lookout replied, steady, captain, which meant we are on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, signal that ship, we are on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees. Back came a signal, 
advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. Captain sent back. I'm a seaman. He said, send. I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. They received the message back. I'm a seaman. Second class came the reply. You had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, send. I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a flash. I'm a lighthouse. Change course. <laughs> Our perception of things is not always what it is. Our perception. Sometimes it starts off dirty. But all we've got to do is clean our glasses. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. We have to have you over. If anybody that is a glasses wearer, you understand your glasses get dirty over the smallest things. Happens with sunglasses. And you know, this is how goofy I can be sometimes. I could have a little smudge on my sunglasses and I'll live with it. I didn't want to tell you. I want, I don't know where a wet napkin is. Half the time when I try to clean them, they become even more streaked. So I just go ahead and try to bear through it, even though I got this big beam sitting right here in my eyeball. But that's all right. I'm going to weather through it. That's how we do in life sometimes. Sometimes we've got this thing blocking our vision, but we're going to live with it. We're going to continue. Well, you know what? I can work with this. I can work with this. And we never fully achieve what God is trying to do in our lives. You see, in God's hands, he has a design. He has a plan for us. He has a place that he wants us to be. He wants to shape us into his character. He wants to mold us into something different than what we are. And what we are is not always exactly where he wants us to be. So we have to get there. We heard this morning in Sunday school class the idea of a maturing Christian. We have to grow. We have to constantly strive. We have to constantly walk. We have to constantly move. And as we heard, Brother Bradley's changing in different ways. We heard that this morning when he didn't uh, smack his kid around. Because something didn't happen. You have to hear that story, brother. It was a good story. It's a good story. We all grow in different ways. We all develop in different ways. But we've got to be available to it. You know, we've got to stop declaring, this is me. We're so set with that mentality. This is me. Accept me for who I am. Take me as I am. And that's fine. But why do we accept so little of ourselves? Why do we bar God from working in our lives? We limit him because we've said it in our minds that this is me. Unmovable, unchangeable. I'm going to be this way. This is who I am. But God desires more in our life. God desires more change in our life. When we stop limiting God, then, then we can see what he wants to do in our lives. Desti destiny can be changed because destiny is too often defined by humans' laws and expectations. Destiny's laws can be shattered by God. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the environment that you grew up in. 
God can change where your destiny and your human destiny may have been taking you. If you grew up in a home full of anger and hate, you do not have to be defined by that anger and hate. God can shatter that destiny. You see, you don't just have to be a shepherd boy. You can be a king. You don't just have to be a dog who accepts the crumbs from the master's table. You don't have to be a fisherman or a collector or a doctor. You can be whatever God desires you to be. You don't just have to be a slave. God can change your destiny. He can change your life, your mind, your spirit, your character. But we've got to let him do it. We've got to take off our glasses and clean them. We've got to see it. Life through a different perspective. We can get so tied up with drama in our lives. We can get so tied up with things that happen around us because someone offends us or someone hurts us or someone didn't, didn't shake my hand or somebody didn't pat me on the back. We can get so tied up with that type of mentalities and those types of mentalities that we lose sight of what's really important. Those attitudes and those things will become a stumbling stone in our life and we will not be able to grow past them. You will not grow if we hang on to those visions and that mentality. We have to understand that God wants to work a different character in our life. We too often are viewing life through man's eyes and man's eyes are flawed. It was man's eyes that saw Abel's sacrifices being more than his own. It was man's eyes that saw David's rise to fame as a move against his throne. It was man's eyes that desired the 30 pieces of silver over eternity with Jesus. It was man's eyes that lied and cheated his way to his birthright right from under his father and his brother's noses. But if we would clean our glasses and if we would see through God's eyes, we would see what he will do in our lives. We will see the impact that we can make in those who surround us. And how, do our vision, how does our vision get so dirty? How do our, those glasses get so dirty? It's sin. Sin in our life will affect us. Environment, those things that we came out of, we've got to allow God to work a healing in our life. But then sin, once we get through some things that we grow up and grow past we grow out of some of the pain of our youth, but then we've got to face another issue. We've got to face our own sin. And sin causes these blots in our vision. These causes these things that we can't see. And how do we define sin? Well, we go back to, the, to Matthew 5 and 3. What is the opposite of poor in spirit? It's arrogance, pride, the inability to submit to any type of authority. And I'm not just talking about the big guns. I mean any type of authority or expertise that may be wiser than your own thought process. Proverbs 16 and 19 says, Better it is to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. The opposite of mourners is those who lack empathy, understanding, and love. How often have we as individuals walked past somebody that was obviously hurting and kept right on walking? Too busy to stop. Too busy to care. Those individuals don't care what is happening to those around them. They do not desire true repentance in their own lives. 
They're not mournful. They're not concerned about the sin in their lives. They see the things that they do, but they're not moved by them. How do we become moved by them? The Word of God moves us. The Spirit moves us. It convicts us. It checks us. When we become so numb to it and so dull to it, then we, we won't move past it. We won't grow past it. What is the opposite of peacemaker? It's those that thrive off of drama, contention. They eat it up, things that others do to each other, and many times they help stir the pot. I imagine you know one or two of those in your life already. Sin is found in the heart that does not desire righteousness. To them, righteousness is a big old bowl of Brussels sprouts. Mm, ain't putting that in my mouth. Why? Righteousness causes it, it, it's sacrifice. There are things that we have to give up to live righteously. What's the opposite of mercy? Unforgiveness. The grudge holder. I tell you, in my, in my life, I've probably seen more grudge holders in the church of God than I have outside of the church. Why is that? Because the glasses are dirty. We've got to let God work on our character. Sin is living and doing things that are not morally right because they don't want to be persecuted for their righteous living in this sinful world. How, how many times have we been in that place? Instead of taking a stand and being different and allowing God's character to resonate in our workplace, we get caught up in a dirty joke or we get caught up in a story that we shouldn't be involved. Or we get caught up in gossip. Why? We can't back up out of the situation because we don't want to be seen as the prude. Our mentalities get skewed. Our hopes and our dreams are followed after man's hopes and dreams. But what happens when we let God start to work in our life? What happens when we let God start to clean up that vision? Clean those glasses so we can see hope. So we can see love. So we can see the hurting individual that is going through a divorce or a child whose parents don't have time for them. We can become more understanding to those individuals in our lives and be able to actually be something for them. Our character counts. And in the master's hands, he can do anything in our lives. He can shape us in any way. He can mold us. He can take some of our negative thoughts, and he can turn them around and make them positive. Through God's eyes, we will see the hurt, but we will also see the hope. We will see those that fall, but we can see the rise. We can be involved in their lives and bring hope. We can be involved in their lives and be the hand that helps them up. But many times we have to change our vision. We need God's character traits. What happens when we start seeing through God's eyes, we see as the centurion saw. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. We see as Peter saw, silver and gold have I none, but you can be healed. We see as Paul saw, the Gentiles that needed and were being offered God's salvation. When we get a hold of God's character, we can see beyond the individual 
that is right in front of us. We can see beyond their hurt, their pain, their lashing out. We can see beyond their anger. You're going to face individuals that are angry. You're going to face individuals that are liars and stealers, those that will take everything from you, those that will steal and try to steal your blessing in life. You're going to face them. But when we have God's character, when we have him resonating with us, that's when we truly become unmovable. Not unchangeable. We will constantly change in God's, in God's kingdom, but unmovable. We will become a force to be reckoned with. I need some volunteers, Brother Jared, Brother Chad, Brother Hunter. Thank you. Sister Amy, you want to join us too? Come on up, buddy. I want you guys to do this for me. I want you to start walking around in a circle. One to follow the other. Just start walking around in a circle. See, too many times in the world, this is our circle of influence. And as they travel, what we try to do, we try to get in there with them. What kind of impact am I going to make when I'm cruising around with them? What happens when I, when I try to, I, hey, I'm walking with them. Hold up a second. Hold, I'm walking with them, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to help them not do the things that I do. So I push him out. But what has he got to hold on to? And where is he going to be? Back in the circle. That's not how I make an impact in my circle of influence. No, God's character places this right here. And as they go and as they face life and as the struggles that they face, well, then they might reach out to me. And this is where I get them. This is where I make the change. I didn't go in their circle. No, I stood here and I let God's character, God's character worked in my life. Thank you, guys. That's how we make an impact in this world. We become unmovable. And we do that with God's character. And what happens when we do that? When those individuals start to reach out and we can pull them from those things. Well, then your circle of influence just got a little bit bigger, didn't it? Others start to see that change. Others start to see that impact. And it becomes larger. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We know right and wrong. We know it. We understand what's good and what's evil. But it doesn't mean that we don't turn our minds off to it. It doesn't mean that we don't just accept the evil. Don't, it doesn't mean that we just don't allow these things to happen, these bad things that carry on. I become a part of something. I say something. I do something. Pride can be such a tricky situation. I become unmovable because of, well, I'm going to tell them what what. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going, I'm going to tell them what for. They messed up. I'm going to let them know. Am I handling it the right way? What happens if I use God's character? 
And instead, I still present love to that individual. And I wait for the door to open. And when that door opens, then I can have a conversation. More relationships are built upon by that open door, by that connection than anything else. When that door, when me and my wife got married, we did not like to talk about our problems. We just didn't. I didn't. She'd like to tell me my problems, and I didn't want to hear it. We didn't like to talk about our issues. We didn't like to be engaged in that manner. I wasn't a mature individual. I wasn't a mature individual in God, much less being in a marriage. After 15 years, we, we've learned some things. We've learned that I would rather have the conversation with her or her with me that's going to help build us up, not tear us down. Because that was another part. That was another section of our marriage. When we started to really get a hold of this thing, sometimes I'd be on a, uh, uh, you know, get on a high horse, and I'd tell her what she's doing wrong. Well, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Nobody wants to hear that. Not in that manner. But because of our relationship, and as it's grown, we open ourselves up to it. This is what happened. And she tells me, or she'll guide me, or she said, maybe you could have handled it this way. When we start to open ourselves up to those relationships, but remember, be unmovable. Don't get into the circle with them. Be here. Be engaged. And as they open up, that's where you'll make the change in their life. Nobody wants to. If, if you're in there with them, why are they going to want to change? What do you have that's so different? And we try to take this, this high-mindedness that, well, I'm trying to help them. I'm, I'm trying to help them not make the same mistakes I did. Parenting phrase, top ten list. I don't want you to make the same mistakes while we're making the same mistake that we're telling them we don't want them to make. <laughs> it's... As we raise our children, as we lead them, it's the, same, it's the same concept. If I'm in the same circle of life with them, how am I going to help them? But if I'm out here and I'm guiding them, if they see me different, if they see that character, if they see God's character, they're going to want more. That's how they change the world. We have to change the way we see things. We have to change our perceptions. My daughter Ariel has faced some battles this year. And I was talking to Brandy and we were talking about it and we've it's hard as a parent because when you see your child going through things, you, you pretty much want to punch everybody in the face that's messing with them. It's just it's hard. You want you don't adult or kid. It don't matter. Messing with my kid. I want to jack you up. I ain't I, right now. I don't have enough Holy Ghost. I, I got to work on it. I've watched her go through these things, and it pained me. And it pained us as parents. But you know, I saw her face it every day. She didn't run from it. She wasn't, she didn't let that fear overtake her. She went, she went in every day. 
and she put positive spins on it. I think sometimes she did it just to, just to make us feel a little bit better. I think sometimes she did it just, just for us. But to, as she kept and the things started to turn a little bit and things started to turn out a little bit better and get a little brighter, it's not perfect, but it's, it's getting there. We're, we're, it's a process. But I never saw her go into any kind of depression. I never saw her go into any beating herself up or down on herself. No, she got up. She kept a smile on her face. She kept going in. She kept being who she was. Her character was unmovable no matter what she faced, no matter what came up against her. I couldn't have been more proud than to see her and see her walk that walk. We can become so distracted by these trials and these challenges, these battles in our life. We can become, we can just throw in the towel. Oh, forget it. That's it. I'm setting the Holy Ghost on the stand right here, and it's go time. You're going to get all of Brother Mike today. Lord, Lord, help the world for that day. I don't even remember what that dude was like, and that's scary. And we do that. Why? Because of everything that we're facing. But God says, hang on. He says, hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's a character. We have to continually reach for it. Psalm 62 and 2 says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. When his character traits are in our life, when they course through our veins, that immovable personality will impact the world. People will see it. You will find people coming to you. It's not always about us going to them. As they see that unmovable spirit in our life, they will reach out to us. They'll want what we got. They'll want it. They'll want that genuineness. They'll want that, that real. Yeah, we're human. We've got flaws. We're going to struggle. We're going to stumble. But it doesn't define us. When our character is rooted and grounded in God, it doesn't define us. He already knows we're flawed. He already knows that we're challenged. He already knows we're human. You ain't going to surprise him, child. We, we seem to act like that. Oh, Lord, he don't know what I've done. He's seen it. We ain't even seen the type of crazy that's really out there. We think we've got the corner market on it. We don't. Ain't nobody in this church I've seen really resonate that hard with it. So we, As we strive with God and as we get rooted in his word, as we allow his spirit to work in our life, that's when we start to see that character change. It's not an easy change probably one of the worst prayers I ever prayed in my entire life because I had no idea what I was praying for. I knew I needed some changes. I knew I needed something different in my life. And I asked him, I said, God, change my character. And it hurt a lot. Still does. Because we ain't done yet. 
but I wanted more. I saw the individual that I was. I still want more. We have to hunger for it. In the master's hands, he can shape us into anything. But we limit him because of our perceptions. We limit him because of our vision. We allow our vision to be filled with different things. We allow our vision, we allow sin to, to skew our vision. We allow our environments to mess with our vision and our perceptions. When we withdraw from these things that have defined us for so long and we start to plug into God's character, then we can see things through his light. And his light is bright. His light can look at any foul situation and see something there. He can see the spark. He can see the good. And yet sometimes we want to allow one individual that crosses us in life to break our glasses. Snap those things right in half. One individual, one person. And I got to wait six weeks to get a new pair. That's six weeks you walk around blindly doing what knows what. It's amazing to see how God sees. It's amazing. We saw it in Jesus' walk. We saw it as he ministered to his disciples. How many times did his disciples say something and he, he said something contrary back to them? He said, no, that's not the right way. How many times did the Pharisees present something to him and he said, no, that's not the way. God saw good in so many. He saw hope. He saw the spark. Why? Because it's his vision. We have it. We have it in that word. That word that should echo in our own lives. Our perceptions have to change from the human to God's. That's how we're going to make an impact. And not just in our circle of influence, not just in the workplace, not just, but in our homes with our husbands, our wives, our families, our mothers, our fathers, and all those around us, it will impact everyone when we start to look at things differently. As a parent, it was something that it struggled for me to learn how to do because as a parent, it was very easy for me to draw the line and say, this is, you need to see it my way. That's it. It's my way or the highway. But when you have three different person, four, five different personalities now in the house, we got a dog. And if that dog wasn't a Bentz-born dog, I, I just don't know. Five different personalities in the house that I have to, I have to see it sometimes through their eyes. So I have to take off my glasses and my perceptions and I've got to see it through their eyes. I've got to see the things that they're facing through their eyes. And each of them deals with challenges and battles in their life differently than the other. Right now, the dog's got to be taken out every two hours to go to the bathroom. That's of the devil. <laughs> and if it was up to me, that dog wouldn't go out every two hours. But there's another voice in the house. 
And if I don't, she does, and then I got to hear about it. So it's, it's perceptions. And to top off that perception, we read two different articles. I read that the dog can go all night. She read the dog's got to go out every two hours. <laughs> Who wins? I don't know in that situation. Our perceptions, though, our ideas, if we actually took our place and what's that, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes? I mean, that's a true saying as it gets right there. And actually put ourselves in somebody else's place, not only does that create situations where you actually become a peacemaker, that's one of the character traits. Because you can see it through their eyes. That's when you can dissolve, that's when you can calm a situation down by looking at it through another vision, their eyes and their situation and their struggle. By being able to walk in their place. Maybe we can't always do that, but we can still be there. We can still be that hand. We can still be that unmovable force for them to get a hold of and talk to and vent, as Brother Bradley talked about this morning. Would you say women like to vent? Men just explode? I know, he nailed that one right down on the money right there. If that don't define me, I have, my wife will tell you, I, I don't vent a whole lot, and, and I don't explode that much anymore, but I used to. I I just, one day I just come in, she'd just blow, blow up all over the place. She was like, what is this? Somewhere about halfway through our marriage. We're carrying on, everything's just fine. That's it, I want enough force. What happened? I didn't vent. Just all piled up. Like our laundry piles. To be able to have those conversations to grow, develop. God desires more for us consistently. Even if we're in a good place, he wants more for us. He wants that character in us because that's going to be that character that affects those that are around us. Those, when we, when we work in humility, people will see that. That, it, that connects people to you. If we carry ourselves in arrogance... We, we set ourselves at a level higher than other individuals, and that's, that's not the way God wants us to be. He wants us to be on the same level with everyone else. But at the same time, we're still over here. We're the unmovable force. He doesn't want us in the same circle, in the same mold. He wants us apart and separate. What happens when we do that? As we carry on with God's character, he said that we will be looked at and viewed at. We will be... Uh, 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 Persecuted. Thanks, Brother Bradley. Uh, we will be persecuted. We will be torn apart by their words. There's going to be those that don't understand us. But God gets us. And he's going to use us. And he's going to use us to affect those around us. Amen? I desire more of God's character. I think we all desire that. I think we all want more than what we have even right now. Because if you really look reflectively in your life and what God has already done, wow, wow. Thank God. Thank God for your patience. Thank God for your work. I want more of that. 
I want more of that, God. I want to continue in that. Amen. May we all stand. Character counts. It's how we're going to affect this world. It's how we're going to resonate in this world. It's how we're going to affect everyone around us, our family, our friends, people we work with, people that just pass us by. Character counts. People don't want to see someone that's just like them. They want to see God's attributes. And we don't get them just by wandering around here. We get them by diving into his word, by getting into his spirit, by allowing his spirit to work inside of us. It's an inside-out working of his spirit. And people will see that. They'll be drawn to it. Our character defines us. It's how people view us. And too often, we view ourselves so lowly and pathetic that we can't even rise above that. Can't rise above that place that we have put ourselves. And so many different reasons why we put ourselves there. Our past pains, our past faults. People that have said cruel and mean things to us and told us that we are nothing. And we've listened to them. We allow ourselves to remain in that place, that unchangeable place, because we can't go beyond that. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm, I'm not special. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have, we, we have every excuse in the book not to move. But God has every excuse to move us. Because in his eyes, we are important. And in his eyes, we do have abilities. He created us. He don't make mistakes. He made us. He designed us. He had a purpose for us. He desires something more for us. So we have to become unstuck from those mentalities and those, those environments that we grew up in. We become more than what that is and what that was, what that defined us. Because in the master's hands, how he'll shape us and how he'll mold us and the character that he's going to build. That's going to be what not only impacts our own lives, but the world around us. I want to impact the world, church. How about you? I don't want to go to heaven with just you. I mean, you're some pretty faces. Don't get me wrong. I want some more to go with us, though. I want to take as many as we can. And if each of us allows God to work on our character, how much more impactful can we be in our area, in the place that we live? We talk about it before. There's, there's different, everybody lives in different places. We've got some from Louisa, uh, Fluvanna, from Green. Well, you don't have to be, this does not have to be your impact point right here. You can impact in Fluvanna, in Louisa, in Culpeper, wherever you're at, you can impact the people that are around you, when they see what God has done and is doing in your life. Man, when they see it happen right then, right there in that place, they see a change this week. If they start to see that change, that will affect them. We have to put away our pride at times too because we don't change sometimes because, well, they've already seen who I am and who I have been. 
Well, great. Then they'll see the change. They'll see the difference. We have to set it in our minds to allow God to lead us, to change us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. We may be reviled. We may be persecuted. But rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Because we're doing it for him. We're doing it because of him. Amen. Praise God. Can we... Uh, I want to take, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at with this, this message, but this is what I want to do. I want to worship. Can we worship? Can we rejoice?